the Flushing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Hello, and welcome to, I guess, what would be the season finale of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about the nanny. You know, that sitcom from the 90s starring Fran Dresser that we all love, and that's why we're all here. Uh, This is it. We're covering the end of season one of The Nanny, episode 22, I Remember Mama. No, Uh, I don't remember Mama. (laughs) That's right. I don't remember Mama. Uh, But I remember- Really well done. You've already humiliated us on this very special episode. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. So I didn't introduce her yet. She's breaking all of the rules of of proper podcasting etiquette. But of course, I am Shanti Pasquale here with- Victoria Sheffield. But we're not alone. No. I mean, existentially, we're all alone. But- (laughs) yes um okay (laughs) well we have a very special guest on the podcast today um it's somebody who quite frankly is too good for this show um so we're very excited um it's culture writer matt bomb who um we've talked about previously on the podcast and we discussed his youtube video um the nanny friends fine with the gays kind of extensively on a previous episode. And that was the video where basically Matt broke down how the nanny was revolutionary in its approach to gay characters on TV, at least for the time. Um, And he graciously agreed to join us today. Um, In addition to his extremely intelligent and entertaining videos on YouTube, he's also the creator of the interview podcast, The Sewers of Paris, where in which he interviews gay men about how entertainment or about the entertainment that changed their lives. Um, He's also author of the book, Defining Marriage, Voices from a 40-Year Labor of Love, in which he documents the decades-long struggle for marriage equality through the personal stories of the people who lived through it. He's been nominated for a GLAAD Award for journalism. He's been recognized by the New York Times, among many other things. Again, much too good for this garbage heap of a podcast. So welcome, Matt. I'll just say welcome. I I am happy to be here. I I think you're selling yourself short. I am delighted to chat with you. Anyone who wants to talk about the nanny is uh, good folks in my book. Okay, but I just want to talk about um, how accomplished you are and how I feel like I really got to step up my game and do something. I got to win an award. I got, we got to, Toria, we have to try harder. Just, <laughs> uh, we should just start exercising. That's I really- mean, even that, right? I just like to walk around the block or something yeah. and feel accomplished. Um, um, so this was. Yeah. Um, it, it is the episode, by the way, where Fran and Gracie enter a mother daughter pageant on Mother's Day. And something so – I won't spoil it, but you might you might already know this from the title. I don't remember Mama, but a big thing is revealed about Gracie, a big emotional – Yeah, I mean we shouldn't – I mean I, look, it, this is the episode where for the first time in 22 episodes, they address that these children and this guy's – like the, the mom is dead. You know, they don't really address it outside of the pilot. Um, and, and to kind of ground us in what's happening, this is the episode where Mother's Day is coming up. And Niles explicitly explains to Fran that they do not acknowledge Mother's Day in the household. And instead, Mr. Sheffield attempts to keep everybody as busy as humanly possible so that nobody gets, quote, depressed. And I don't know about you guys, but I I told Sean earlier today, I genuinely cried. (laughs) It is a really ending, yeah. Yes. Yeah, a heavy ending and like such a testament to the writers that they could they could pull it off like like this is an episode and i know i'm jumping everywhere where there's literally one of the biggest visual gags uh, we've seen like dumbest pratfall cc literally tr- slipping on an orange and falling on her back joke they could then like also bring me to tears so i i'm i, I really love this episode i thought it was one of the strongest of the season matt what when did you discover the nanny and and how you know how how often have you rewatched this show is it something that you watched as a kid and then caught up with recently like the rest of us when they finally put it on streaming <laughs> so i actually i have to confess it was not a show that i watched when it was on and it was only a couple of months ago that i really started exploring the show so when it was on the air it was just something for some reason i don't know why it was just not a part of it was not in the rotation of the shows that i liked um, even though like it easily could have been like I was definitely like in the right age range. I was probably 
I think season one was 93. Is that right? 93 or 94? Uh, yeah, 93, mm-hmm. 94 mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would have been 13, 14. So I would, it, it, it should have been a show that I, I, I wish it had been a show that I watched, but it was only um, in the last few months. Uh, people who have appreciated the videos that I do. So I do YouTube videos about um, queer culture and, and pop culture. And people have suggested that I take a look at the nanny. And what's funny is it's something that I never really anticipated having much crossover with my kind of content. I usually talk about like the intersection of pop culture and uh, queer, queer media, queer entertainment. Um, and in a lot of the more academic stuff that uh, has been written about like gays on television, the nanny just for some reason never comes up. It's just like seldom discussed, you know, Will and Grace is in there and the Golden Girls and all that stuff. Uh, you know, uh, soap, but the nanny never comes up. And so I was like, I don't know if there's anything here. Then I started watching episodes. I'm like, oh, this is an extremely gay show. This is incredibly gay. As soon as I started talking about it um, to to friends, they were like, oh yeah, yeah, it's a really, it's a really gay show. There's like uh, guests from musical theater all over it. There's gay characters. Uh, There's like references to gay culture that are just like really fluently dropped in. Um, so yeah, it was it was a couple of months ago that I started watching because uh, it was on uh, HBO, uh, and then um, I, you know I, I started learning more about it. I dove back a little bit to um, oh gosh, what was the name of the pilot that Fran was on with Twiggy and Julie Haggerty? Oh, oh it um, was like the, it was like a princess something, prince, right? Yeah, like, yeah, princesses, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I went back and I watched that. And uh, I was like, okay, I just, I really like Fran Drescher now. And I really like the show that she made. And I just, you know, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll watch it with my partner. And it'll be like, this is just a really good show. It was really, I mean, it was really like, I remember, I think our pilot episode of this podcast, we both come in like, hey, you know what? This is actually like, like really, really, really strong pilot. It does all mm-hmm. of the things that a sitcom pilot should do. And it does them like efficiently. Um, and then I think we were kind of just like, I, we could actually like do this, (laughs) do it seriously. There's a lot to dig into. And then when you start to dig into some of like, you know, then when you get to the next layer of Fran and Peter Mark Jacobson and their relationship and him eventually coming out and, you know, and then they made two more shows like about that whole relationship, like all of the other pieces of the nanny start to like come and fall into place and you start Mm -hmm. to go like oh i see what was happening here um and Mm -hmm. and and it's it's genius the way that it's done you know um for for all the reasons you point out in your video and and we should say like heavily heavily stressed you should watch matt's video uh probably thank you (laughs) before before we even you even listen to the rest of the podcast because i'm gonna definitely bring it up and and we'll reference it and it's really really great like Matt, you killed it. Uh, so to definitely, definitely check out the video and watch it in its entirety. It's it's fascinating. I definitely um, agree about the pilot. Uh, with the, you know the the one thing that isn't quite formed is like it seems like the house like he's completely taken apart and rearranged. But yeah. uh, aside from that, I yeah. like hard agree. There's a moment in the pilot where um, the oldest daughter and I, I forgot her name. I'm blanking on her name, but she appears uh, at the top of the stairs. It like after like post makeover and. It it is shocking in in just the right way because it really takes your breath away. And this person who was kind of mousy and shy and timid and had a lot of self doubt uh, suddenly appears in this very confident, grown up sort of way. Uh, and it's shocking to like in universe to the people in the room. And I think they successfully make it shocking to the viewer. Um, and and to be just like a really sweet, tender moment. I think that's something that this episode. I don't remember Mama does really well too. Like it's. Yeah. There are a lot of sitcoms that have very special episodes and it feels cheap and manipulative and unearned. And <laughs> I think this one feels totally earned. Well, and I was going to say, Oh, go, go on. No, I was, I was just going to try to walk us through the episode a little bit uh, more. That's but what if you I have... was going to do. Oh, God, we're <laughs> so in notes. sync. No, we're, <laughs> yeah. the, we're the, we're the Fran and the Peter Mark Jacobson, except neither of us are that talented and neither. And we're both straight. So I guess <laughs> so we're, we're nothing. We're nothing. <laughs> We're just two Jews um, doing a podcast, Gloria. Yep. Let's move it along. Um, <laughs> um, but, oh, so basically, yes, it's it's revealed that they never talk about um, Mr. Sheffield's wife and their mom. Um, but Mother's Day is coming up and Mr. Sheffield – I don't think it's part of the distraction. I think it might just be like coincidental. He also reveals that he has um, – that they have joined a country club as a family. 
So that, that leads to one of my uh, favorite scenes. They they go to like uh, like get a tour of the place and Fran goes, oh, like so much wood paneling, like half our juice must go to Pine Sol. <laughs> <laughs> just like a, a funny, perfect Fran line. Um, but they, so they go and um, they're told that there's actually like a mother daughter pageant happening. It's not really a pageant. It's more a talent show um, on Mother's Day. And, you know, Gracie's instantly To be like, fair, oh. they keep calling it a pageant, but it's not handled like a pageant really at all. But they did, they did keep referring to it as the pageant, but it's, it's not, it's just like a talent show. It's literally yeah, just like people doing different talents. Like, yeah. <laughs> And well, and Gracie's instantly like, oh, like, you know, can I, can I do that with Fran? And Fran thinks that's a great idea. And Mr. Sheffield is instantly like, no, no, no. Like, that's a terrible idea. The, the last thing that Gracie needs on Mother's Day is to be reminded that she doesn't have a mother. I also, I do want to discuss the, um, some of the uh, wardrobe choices in this episode. <gasps> oh, is this going to be about Mr. Sheffield's green jacket in that first scene? Because I don't ever think about fashion, but I wrote down a what is up with that green jacket? It looks great on him and he wears it all the time, Sean. I think I've brought that up before. I hate that green jacket, man. I don't think it looks great on him. It's so I, green. No, it's, I, think we, I, I think we're talking about Fran's outfits, which were phenomenal in this episode. Yes. Sorry, Matt. Please continue. Yes. Honestly, the first one that caught my eye was Gracie in this like little mini Ruth Bader Ginsburg sort of number when they first go to the club. It's, it's like a black dress, shiny, shiny belt, and then – like so much lace. It looks like an Elizabethan collar around her neck uh, and a side pony. Yes. <laughs> That's right. She does but have the so side pony. I was right about Gracie's age at that time. And that, that's what they dressed us in. Like all the photos from that time look absurd. Every, every little girl looks absurd. These like large, oversized, huge collars. Um, sl- yeah, like slightly Victorian. <laughs> um, it looked like a little house on the prairie era dress, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but like everyone in the club is dressed that way. Mm-hmm. It's a um, weird thing that I'm glad went away. Cause I feel like when I was a kid, you know, in like early eighties, when I was born, the trend was like dressing boys up like sailors. Like <laughs> I, I have a picture of me at like two years old in a sailor suit for some reason. And it wasn't like Halloween. It was just like, this is what he dresses like. He's a little mini sailor. And the, that's so like many of my friends to me. I don't get it. Oh, also, I forgot to mention I'm a time traveler. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm laughing because I I was a little girl, a little younger than you, and I also have a photo of myself in a sailor house. <laughs> <laughs> what was going on? Is it a Jewish thing? <laughs> Maybe it's an East Coast Jew thing. I don't know, dude. But sailor suit, yeah. I, we got to dig up those sailor suit pictures. Oh, I'll the get mine. The irony of this is that I I am wearing a sailor costume in many of my YouTube videos. <laughs> I'm wearing a sailor costume right now. <laughs> That's what I thought he was going to say. I thought Matt was gonna say, I'm wearing a sailor I'm on costume right now. Hi-oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um oh no right. I we'll, we'll talk about the costumes more as as they as they come as they um, well so we also had the great I mean my I think my favorite Fran outfit well and and Gracie frankly is when they're dressed identically at the end in the mm, leopard yes. the leopard print <laughs> uh suits that they're wearing which That looked, is the gag of the season. They look great in the like matching leopard print. Amazing. Oh my god. They looked perfect. I, like and it and it really hammers home what this whole episode's building towards which is like friends her like mom now you know <laughs> like basically yes gracie is becoming molded in france image more and more every day yeah um, well i just clocked that um later in the episode when they show up for the pageant rehearsal Fran is wearing the coolest dress it's just multicolored. it's geometric she's wearing purple tights deep purple matching high heels it would be a hit today because that's come mm-hmm. back so it's interesting that we all clocked a different a, a different outfit. I thought we were all going to be so on the same page and we all were completely in different places. <laughs> also, Sean, why don't you like his green, his, I've, I think I talked about that last week, how it looks really great on him. And clearly his eyes are green because they always talk about how green compliments his eyes. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's a, it always, it always strikes me as just like kind of garish. 
I'm always like, why is he dressed like that? <laughs> I just want all of our listeners to go rewatch this because it is such a normal looking shirt. And I don't know Never catch me in a jacket it, like that. I don't know what Sean is seeing. Um, but, oh, but so I was going to say though, the next scene, we got very, we got very into the outfits there, but the next scene was the first part of this episode where I got teared up. I didn't full on cry, which I did in this episode, but I did get teared up because um, basically, so Gracie and Fran have decided that they're going to do a magic trick for their talent. Right. So they're at home in the li- living room practicing for Niles um, and Maggie and Brighton. And, you know, it's going to be one of those things where like Fran gets put in a box and Gracie is the magician and she's going to cut Fran in half. Um, and while this is happening, there's this moment where Maggie and Brighton and uh, start reminiscing about their mother and Fran's like encouraging it. She's like, Oh, like what was she like? And it's just this very casual conversation where Maggie and Brighton like light up and they're like, Oh, like, you know, I remember her laugh and I remember her this and Oh, she had the funniest this and her voice. And it's, you, you realize that it's almost like they're never given permission to do this or they never feel like they can. And and again, like they light up in a way that that you really feel. Um, and then very abruptly, Gracie is kind of like, she, you know, she like cuts the conversation off and she's like, come on, like we need to rehearse this. We need to rehearse this. And it it's the first hint that she there, – there's something about this that's a little um, like active. It, it's activated something in her. She has no interest in this conversation and she's not really interested in hearing what the others have to say about it. Um and then, you know, literally within the same few minutes, I was teary-eyed. And then they just – they actually do the magic trick, which made me think, like, do you think they were doing that for the studio audience in real time? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know. like a hard else. trick. I, I was shocked by that. Honestly, I, I like – I almost – I think I audibly gasped. I think I audibly gasped when they actually do the, like, cutting someone in half magic trick because I was like, okay, it's a sitcom. It's going to be some gag or something. But then they do it and they separate the two halves. And I'm like, yeah, oh, it's great. this is just like, actually, like, I'm like, how I actually was like, how are they doing this? Because they spin it around, <laughs> they spin the boxes around. It's very like, like Kermit the Frog on the bike. I'm like, oh, they're really doing like nothing up our sleeves. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it really felt like it's something they had rehearsed and were like very proud to show the audience. Um, and and they even had like the comedic beats of, you know, when the Fran is the magician's assistant sort of saying all the little gaggy jokey things that, that get said during all of this stuff where she like looks at her own feet, which are now detached from her body. And she goes, Oh, there's a run in my stocking. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this episode was actually kind of chocked full of little moments where they were sort of showcasing what the actors can do. Cause there's also a moment where Niles is juggling and there's, it almost serves no purpose except to show that that actor can juggle. Um, and then also, I guess, for Stacey to trip later. Well, yeah, it gets the orange on the floor. I, I, the, the juggling scene I really liked. That made me laugh um, I do like the lot. juggling. I will say yeah. as someone who can juggle that his form is, mm, let's call it rustic. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, so, but then, so then, you know, in pre- kudos to Daniel Davis for learning how to juggle for once. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> you know, like... Uh, that's how I look at that. It's, it's like they were like, "Hey, man, you're going to be a juggler in this scene," and he's like, "I'm what now?" I'm gonna what? Yeah. It did though lead to one of, for me, the funniest exchanges in the whole episode, where he starts. He thinks he's alone in the room, and he picks up these oranges and he starts to juggle them. And then Mr. Sheffield walks in and he instantly drops them. And Mr. Sheffield is like, "Niles, were, were you just juggling?" And Niles refuses to admit. That, that's what was happening. He's like, no, like you must be mistaken. Like that's certainly not what was happening, which is, it's a very Niles thing where it's like, he, he clearly has some, he has a lot of interesting things in his past, but we never know about any of them. And then it led to one of my favorite lines where Mr. Sheffield, it just, it's so throwaway and it's not important to the episode, but Mr. Sheffield goes, oh, well now I forgot what I was doing and why I even came in here. He goes, well, let's see. I was in my office talking to Cece. Ah, yes, I was trying to get away from Cece. And they just move on with the scene. And they're just always so mean to, to <laughs> yeah. Cece. Oh, just no reason. Yep. Then we go to the scene at the club, which is the actual pageant rehearsal where Fran's in that fabulous outfit, and we sort of get to size up the competition. And this was um this sort of reminded me of that debutante tea episode in that um we really see how Fran is juxtaposed against all these sort of waspy blonde women yeah. in neutral tones. They're um, all they're all Trump voters. Yeah. 
All, all, no. all of the characters in this country club all voted for Trump. I guarantee it. I, I like promise. <laughs> I promise it. Like they're so cruel and cold and like selfish and self-serving. Like, um, well, but there's there's also a, a Jeff Galuli reference in this scene, which yes, is dark with laughter because <laughs> basically, you know, they see all these really talented little kids and moms and. Fran says something. Oh, and and Gracie says something like, "Oh well, you know, I hope we have a plan B." And and Fran goes, "Yeah, Jeff Galuli, which is of <laughs> course Tanya Harding's uh, boyfriend who who broke the kneecaps of Nancy Kerrigan. It was her ex husband. He was he was her ex husband. Oh, her ex, yeah, yeah. For any younger viewers, and for any younger viewers who haven't <laughs> seen I Tanya, that's who that that's what that's about. I feel very like I feel very Obi Wan. That's a name I haven't heard in a long, long time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and oh, so while for any of our younger listeners, that was a Star Wars reference. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and well, this is where this really big emotional beat happens because one of the other little girls finds out that Fran is not Gracie's mom, and so yes. she basically goes and. T- tattles on them and and her mother you know this girl's horrible mother also this woman played a character in the first season of dawson's creek she's who pacey lost his virginity to i just yes. really needed to say that <laughs> tamara it was so drama but um basically so this woman and her daughter tell on fran and gracie and try to get them disqualified and gracie basically yelled well you know, I don't have a mother. She died and runs out. Um, so, so this kind of light, fun thing has has turned traumatic in a way that I think Mr. Sheffield feared. Um, and this is when um, you know Gracie and Fran they get home, and Gracie runs up the stairs, and uh, Fran and Mr. Sheffield follow her up to her bedroom. And at first, Mr. Sheffield thinks that Gracie's upset because this is brought up traumatic or sad memories of of the mom and she says no she's actually upset because she doesn't remember her mom at all um and that's what i i I immediately was like (laughs) so this was the second this was the second moment that i got teary-eyed but again not the full out crying yet and the the moment that i got teary-eyed was when um gracie basically says to to her dad she's like you know why don't you ever talk about mom and she's like, is it because you don't remember her either? And and he kind of laughs and he goes, no, no, it's it's not that. It's, you know, it's just, it's difficult because I remember everything about her. Like I remember her kindness. I remember her laugh. I, I remember how much she loved you. No, I, I, I cried on that line that the, the way that he remembered his wife made me very, very emotional. Very, yeah. I, I got very, I immediately texted uh, Elizabeth and I was like, I love you. Drive safe. I'll see you soon. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think something that the the show really does well is it's jokes, 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 jokes. And then when this like very serious moment happens, it lands so well, I think, because it really does feel authentically like the pain behind the jokes. Um, you know, yes. there's a lot of, a lot of shows that would just like be manipulative and, and kind of cheap about very special episode. But uh, I this, agree. This show also doesn't turn up the like sad music in this scene either. Oh, like, that's true. There's no, it doesn't yeah. lean on like bling, bling, like sad piano. Yeah. Which, or the which oboe is, that like slowly cuts in. <laughs> well, and that's what you're talking about with like, the manipulative uh, full house was very guilty of that. Where mm-hmm. like when they wanted something to be sad, it was like, this is the sad part now. This was this was a fantastic episode, and well, we're not even done. We're, we're not, not even done. done because there's also one of the Nanny's famous uh, musical theater cameos. I well, no, but don't before we even get there, there. There was a scene. So basically, that that little beat gets resolved, and Mr. Sheffield is sort of like, "Oh, I I realize I've been going about." the way I approach your mother's death all wrong. Like sort of, as you said earlier, Sean, he's like, you know, in in trying to protect you, I've actually been like shielding you from the good as well. And so, you know, that, that's that little emotional beat there. And so they end up all going to the pageant together that evening. And this scene, literally, I was laughing so hard. This just was like, Oh my god! I was so I was so pleased with this because they end up changing their talent. They decide they're not going to do the the magic, magic. act because Fran yeah. doesn't like it. But we don't actually know what the talent is until they reveal it to the audience, and so we see it in real time. <laughs> and it is, 
I don't even know. How do you even describe it? It, it was so, a, a puppet show, right? Yeah, so it's a puppet show where what they do is they're, they're laying upside down and they've painted eyes on their chins <laughs> and then they've attached clothing to like around their like nose Jesus. and covering the rest of their face and head. And so then it looks like the eyes and the mouth are the head of this like, little puppet <laughs> character. And then they perform uh, Irving Berlin's Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better, which is from uh, uh, Any Get Your Gun uh, musical. Uh, originally performed by uh, Ethel Merman, by the way. She and her, also famously done on I Love Lucy uh, when – no, 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 it's not. No, it's not. Never mind. I'm confusing uh, that with a different famous song. Tori had, had a stroke. Sean, cut it. Cut everything. Burn <laughs> no, it to I'm the leaving, ground. I'm leaving it. The whole episode's ruined, Toria. Uh, <laughs> well, um, yeah, no, was like Ethel, Ethel Merman on The Muppet Show uh, does this number with Miss Piggy. And so yes. that's, that's where I was at when I was watching this. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I, I, I just – I grew up a musical theater kid. So I, I was like, oh, it's Ethel Merman. I was like so excited. Well, <laughs> I, love, I is- love this show for the music. I was – when this show first came on, I was in I think – middle school, but I was getting ready to go to, to high school and I went to like a performing arts high school. So like anything that was about musicals that like existed in the world outside of like, you know, my immediate sphere, I was like, oh, this, this speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that was one of the, the many, you know, I think it was that and the Jewishness of this show were the things that like immediately pulled me in. Um, I love the musical theater references on this mm-hmm. show. Well, I'm so happy. This was also, it was just such a like delightfully weird thing for them to do of all the talents that they could have <laughs> done and revealed. It is a weird, like it's almost like, remember like rather good.com where mm-hmm. like the mouse would move on like animal, <laughs> like human mouths on like animals. It just has a very, it's, it's just, again, it's a very delightfully weird, like yes. visual gag um and they they sang the whole song and their little puppet arms and legs were moving and it it was again sort of like with the juggling and with the magic act it was almost more like let's let's have fun with this and like put on an actual show for the live audience because it was it was just i also have a note that says sean can we recreate this (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yes can we please do that (laughs) another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. <laughs> um... And so this leads to sort of, Sean, what you were about to mention a couple minutes ago, which is, you know, everybody claps for them and they they bow and then they're matching leopard print outfits and they run off stage. And suddenly, Patti LaBelle approaches Fran Mm -hmm. um, when they're taking off their makeup. And Patti LaBelle, like famously known as like the godmother of soul. And she compliments Fran and Gracie on the performance. She's like, oh, you two were great. And Fran's like, oh my gosh, like, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I'm here with my daughter. And this made me laugh out loud because Fran is so, Fran's like, oh my God, I'm such a big fan, like, blah, blah, blah. And we like really have that beat with Patty LaBelle. Then Patty LaBelle and her daughter go out on stage, and Fran looks at them and goes, wow, if they don't get second, there's no justice in this world. <laughs> she clearly thinks that she, Grace, you're going to get first. And then I also have a note here where, um, Maybe the most unrealistic thing we've ever seen in the show is that all these white wasps are this into a Patti LaBelle performance. Yes. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a whole other special episode about like country clubs and racism, mm. like that, that they just completely like blew over. And they're like, well, I mean, look, it's Patti LaBelle. She's, she's got money, so she could get in anywhere. Yeah, I don't um, feel like this was the time that like sitcoms or like TV was doing like class critiques, but it is something that was like, always weighs on me when I'm watching this show. Yes. Uh, yeah, these are people who are just un- unspeakably, unthinkably rich. And um, what, what, what is the, what is the morality of that? Yes. Well, and, and they, they acknowledge it in that, like, I mean, there's an episode earlier in this season where they get snowed in and they have to go to Sylvia, Fran's mother's apartment um, 
to wait for like the snow so they can take a flight on this like a very you know fancy vacation they're going on and there's so many jokes in that episode about like how poor they are and how like unimpressive their house is and i mean it's all done in like a fun way and a lot of it comes from sylvia like a lot of it is you know sylvia and fran being you know self-deprecating um but yeah i watch it now and i'm like uh, what messages were we all getting? <laughs> like, what was being reinforced into well, us think... that mattered? <laughs> yeah. One of the things um, that I really love about having Patty LaBelle at the end there is, you know, I think the episode is very much about um, the question of what makes a family. Like, underneath all the jokes and all the like drama and, and, the, and the weird magic tricks and the slipping on an orange, it's like, what's a family? And who counts as a, like a mom? You know, do, does somebody yeah. have to be the person who, from whose body you came out of to be your mother? And you know what? It, what it, relationship that is the, is the relationship that Gracie and Fran have? Um, you know, does that does that equal something motherly? Uh, and Patty Labelle in real life um, has I don't know uh, exactly if the ages would have lined up exactly, but Patty Labelle when her sister passed away, Patty adopted her sister's uh, children uh, oh. and was in real life a, a an adoptive mother. Wow. Uh, so it was just mm-hmm. a really nice touch to have her there. Uh, you know, to, <gasps> yeah, to drive that cool. point home. Oh, wow. that's so cool. <laughs> that's really I've cool. Been, yeah. Yeah, um, maybe on our next nanny trivia, I'll actually look up the timeline on that. Um, because a lot, a lot of people that that God. Fran Drescher, um, we should have, the- we should just start paying Matt to do nanny trivia for us. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, what's the even point? We when we get to that segment of the show tonight, we should just skip it because just, we should just be like Matt. Just tell us anything that you know because that's gonna be <laughs> far I'm more. Gonna, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna clip him saying that here and put it in when you go. And now some trivia. <laughs> Oh, and then this is what leads to the final scene in the episode, which is the one I keep referencing where I, I'm like, I didn't just cry. I cry, cried. <laughs> um, and we – oh, shoot. I totally forgot. I had wanted to double check if we were watching real home movies of uh, Fran Drescher in that episode. And I completely forgot because basically uh, something that we learned at the beginning of the episode is that for Mother's Day, Fran is going to convert all these old home movies for her mom into VHSs, which – at the t- nobody under a certain name is going to have any idea what that means, but basically preserve some old home movies for her mom. So she's showing it to the kids, and we, I, I, I my instinct is that was really Fran Drescher, like as a little girl, yeah, because I'm, they were, yeah, yeah right, same. yeah. Um, but so then Mr. Sheffield comes in. She put her like, dog and her real parents on this show. I'm sure yeah, she was like, yeah. yeah, put my old home movies on there. That's this is true, so cute. Right? Yeah, um, definitely. But, then, but that's not what made me cry. What made me cry is then Mr. Sheffield comes in. He's like, oh, I also actually had a video made. And he puts it in the VCR and he goes, these are actually some old home movies that we have. And it's it's like Niles, Mr. Sheffield, Fran and the children in front of this television. And it's just like really 100% earnest footage of Mr. Sheffield and like Brighton and Maggie when they're little and then Gracie when she's like maybe three. And then we see Sarah Sheffield for the first time who just looks like this kind, loving, like very maternal woman holding, you know, uh, Gracie really close. And it's like they cut back to the family and they're, they're just like genuinely moved. Like this is not played for a joke. They're just watching sort of like- Yeah, they're just all sort of watching in awe of Yeah. And yeah. and then Fran very quietly and like very subtly just reaches her hand out and puts her hand on Mr. Sheffield's just yeah. and, and it's a, it's a very like natural and reassuring gesture. It's not even like romantic as much as just very loving. And it was yeah. just like this perfect little moment that revealed so much about like what was happening under the surface um, of everything. And that's when I was like full on crying. (laughs) And it, it also does an excellent job of what they've been building towards. It's, it's, you know, we watched the, the, the previous episode and we both were, you know, we both clocked that that episode sort of ends with a little bit of forward momentum in sort of the Fran, Mr. Sheffield relationship and how like, you know, they seem to be acknowledging things now and, and it ends with like this really cute look that she's like giving back to him. And it's, you know, it does make a great ending, but I think, you know, something that they've been playing since the, the pilot is, and we've talked about this is like the flip side of it. You know, they, they do a really good job of not just making this some kind of weird sexual tension thing that they have, Mm -hmm. but like, they, you know, early on, we see them sort of interacting with each other as if they are a married couple. They're like, you know, taking care of the kids and sort of like 
picking up each other's you know, half finished thoughts or actions, like, and just kind of moving through the house very familiarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> I think they do. So I think that this episode is very much the yin to the yang of the last episode of sort of, and that, that moment that you're talking about, that, that is kind of like the best example of that moment of just like, you know, she just, they care about each other, like mm-hmm. very deeply more so than just on any kind of surface, like, you know, uh, uh, physical level. Like there's like a mm-hmm. real bond between these, this whole group of people, mm-hmm. even Niles. Yeah. Even yeah. <laughs> It's true. It, I think that's one of the many reasons that the show feels uh, either queer to me or that I think the show resonates with queer viewers in a particular way, because this is a what, um, you know, is sometimes called a logical family. Uh, it's the, the not necessarily biological, but it's the people who make sense to have in your life. And that yeah. moment at the end is so sweet. They're acknowledging the importance of this character who is, I mean, who isn't even really on the show, but it's, it's someone right. who's in their lives. Uh, and also, you know, someone who never had a chance to meet her is being so sweet. And Fran is so sweet and so gracious and and so un. she's the anti Cece uh, of, yeah. of respecting <laughs> what is necessary for this family that she really cares about to, you know, it, it, it's a it's a it's a moment she recognizes that they need and she's happy to see them have the moment. I'm just yeah. amazed by the incredibly expert pacing of this episode that mm-hmm. everything seems to happen at the right moment. It, it doesn't feel rushed in any, at any point. Um, the, Richard Day, who uh, is a, a writer, TV writer that I, I really appreciate. He worked on a, a million shows, including Arrested Development. He mm-hmm. tweeted recently about how um, the difficulty level uh, of landing jokes on a sitcom is just like sky high. It's just astronomically difficult to, to land a joke on a sitcom. Uh mm. And not only does this episode and Nanny in general just manage to land those jokes, but then to, to be funny, 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 and then also have you like so emotional and so like to, to pull the rug out from under you and make you cry. Um, just the skill of that is uh, really impressive. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm amazed. It's, it's just fluid between these moments and emotions. And it's, it's really, really well done. All right. Let's um, all go uh, dab our eyes and then we get into segments. <laughs> Segments. And now, segments. So, segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> favorite favorite moments of the show. What what were your standouts? Gosh, I, I do think the. Um... Something that I could not look away from is how the wardrobe department dressed every little girl in that country club in what looked like um, sofa upholstery. Like they blended in so well with the furniture. All of their dresses had such giant floral prints. This is by no means the main takeaway from the episode, but the floral prints on those poor little girls' dresses, like if they sat down on the sofa, it would just look like a floating head. Uh, I just saw it. It was a lot of little Bo Peep dresses. That's how I saw it. It was like a lot of little Bo Peep looking dresses. Um, I think something else that stood out for me is um, Cece's stunt where she has to slip and fall. Like that's a really good pratfall. It's a a great great pratfall. She knew what she was doing. Like that's the kind of fall that could hurt somebody. But uh, she just goes for it with some good physical comedy. She's usually just like the scowler. I yes. rewatched it twice because I laughed so hard. <laughs> it was very like um, a couple episodes ago. For some reason, we were talking about Pink Panther movies, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes just some like dumb somebody falling into a fountain shenanigans is like doesn't matter how old or sophisticated your palate gets. Like it's funny. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it's just such a silly like, and she sells it like the wide eyed, the whoop, like she, she just like it is a, a fall that is played to the back of the seats, the, the back mm-hmm. of the theater. Absolutely, yeah. Um, one of my favorite lines we had talked about how Sylvia doesn't appear in this episode, but like a joke surrounding Sylvia does. It's basically because Fran comes in at, in the opening of the episode. She's clearly talking on the phone to her mom, and she goes. Ma, we can't go to Sizzler. And then there's a beat. She goes, because you're not welcome there anymore. <laughs> <I> just, 
I laughed out loud. And then I also laughed out loud when Fran reveals that when she was a kid and in pageants, she replaced another girl's hairspray with Pam. (laughs) (laughs) Which was such a funny joke. It was like, I'm like, who thought of that? I was, I mean, I just, I loved it. It made me, again, made me laugh out loud, just the visual of that. Um, And I don't, I don't mean like a funny thing. I wonder, like, how she did, like, did she make a separate, like, somehow wrap a thing of Pam with a hairspray label? Like, how do you, how do you make that swap? (laughs) We always say, we're like, when we one day day get a big time nanny producer on or Fran Drescher herself, we're always like, these are the questions we will ask. Yeah. The dumbest questions. Yeah. Important investigation. Um, And Mm -hmm. then we then always share, um, an item for of Yiddish every episode because almost every episode has at least one. I only clocked one this episode, and it's one that we actually have heard before, which was plots. Yes. Plots. Um, yeah. And to plots or plotting is to freak out. So it's mm-hmm. like yeah. it's like I'm plotting, um, yeah. which you know, we, not every episode can have a fully unique Yiddish, Yiddish phrase. Word. A lot to yeah. expect from a show. No, we've gotten so many so far that I I don't. I don't feel bad about it. I feel very seen by this show. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, so for the nanny trivia, I, you know, one thing that I kept thinking is um, we always, whenever we introduce what the nanny was, we always say, you know, Fran Drescher show the nanny. It's really Fran Drescher and Peter Mark Jacobson show. And again, Peter Mark Jacobson, her ex-husband um, who – they got divorced and then he came out as gay later and then they continued to be creative collaborators. So I was like, let's give Peter some, you know, credit where it is very deserved, give him some time to shine and like learn a little about him and his backstory, which is like arguably maybe more fascinating than Fran Drescher's when you actually break down like this man's life. Um, yeah. And I I did a little reading. Um, he He was born in Flushing, Queens in 1957. And he and Fran Drescher were high school sweethearts. And they married when they were 21 years old. Um, and they attended college together. Then they both dropped out and attended cosmetology school together. And then they eventually, I guess, decided, you know, th- th- their real bigger dreams was in entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, of course, went on to create The Nanny together and several other shows. And there was there was this uh, line from IMBD that said, you know, after 15 years of unsold pilots, SAG dues, and psychotherapy bills, he and his Encino therapist decided it would be healthier for Peter to go behind the camera. So he did with his then wife, Fran Drescher. Um, and then he went on to work on the WB's What I Like About You. And to this day, um, Fran and Peter frequently mention each other um, on their social media accounts and refer to each other as their soulmates and best friends often. Um, and I think that actually dovetails really nicely with what you were saying, Matt, about um, logical family. Um, it's It doesn't have to be a cookie cutter thing. It doesn't have to be what, quote unquote, you're supposed to be. It's it's like whatever works. Um and I, I don't know. I, I just love this story. About, I, I love their their backstory. And we didn't even really know – we didn't know so much about it until like halfway through um, doing this podcast, which is like really on us. But yeah, so. we're, we're – listen, we are a well-oiled machine over here at uh, Oh, Mr. Sheffield Industries. <laughs> you know, I think it just speaks to like what genuinely sweet people they seem to be uh, that they yeah. – I don't know. Like I imagine like who knows what their personal lives are like, but and, – and I imagine it was a difficult time for them when they – when the relationship was changing, but uh, they sure do seem to have uh, moved on to a place of great stability and comfort with each other. And I think that's lovely. Um, Well, then we always end it out with who is the Fran and who is the CC of the episode between Sean and myself. But I guess, you know, I would say, let's turn it to you, Matt. Do you feel, do you feel like you ever relate to CC or are you always team Fran? Cause sometimes I relate to CC more than I want to. <laughs> Cece's barely in here, and I don't yeah. think there's a moment like I don't know, maybe her clumsiness, her klutziness, like <laughs> slipping on something, and <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's a little relatable to me, but uh, I can't say I'm really Team Cece for yeah. anything for anything here. 
Yeah, it's a tough one in this episode because she's really portrayed just like she's just horrible basically the whole time. <laughs> and she doesn't even appear that often, so she doesn't even get that many good like jabs in. Um yeah, no, I I I I'm definitely not the CC of this episode. I I am I'm like a cat. I don't I don't fall <laughs> on things. Watch I'm now I'm gonna like fall out of my bathtub tomorrow. <sighs> um no, I think I think we all I mean I think Fran just she is the she is the um MVP of this episode of this season it's you know this episode encapsulated so much of what we love about this series um like so I'm so happy that they ended it on this note because honestly if if let's just say the show had gotten canceled after this one season it would have been a fantastic season um agreed you know that that ended on a note that I even I would have been very satisfied with even if I had to say goodbye I think that this and the pilot play as like two halves of a whole really well and that's that's really tough to do um in in not a sitcom (laughs) like it's really hard for like dramas to even pull that off so for a sitcom to pull it off and and sort of close this chapter so nicely and to mirror the beginning um was just like really well handled yeah Uh, it was great um Um, i I do before we go i i do i do want to hear a little bit uh matt about some of you know, I, I want to encourage people. First of all, again, if you still haven't watched it, you should definitely go watch his entire video. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to hear like, all his a other bit. videos. I was watching. I was going through um, many of them this week, and they're they're very funny. Yes. They are very intelligent, and they are just really good analysis. If you are a TV pop culture person, yeah, yeah. and obviously if you have an interest in in like like uh, queer representation on television, also like that's the other thing I should mention. Very 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 interesting stuff about all of it. Yeah, so the, well, that's what I actually wanted to talk to you about, Matt. Is is you know there there's only so much time uh, in internet videos, you know, that you're going to capture the audience's attention. So I was I was wondering if are there um, things that you weren't able to include that like if you, you would have liked to have included, were there other things that like you picked up um, that this show kind of is putting down uh, that, that struck you as, as, as sort of like a first or, or important um, that it was being said on TV at this time? You know, um, so one thing is uh, something that I didn't mention uh, in the video that I did. So I did this video about the nanny uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, well, I guess a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, did a video about the nanny and how it was really groundbreaking uh, in that the show was very accepting and just matter of fact about queer characters at a time when TV generally wasn't that. Uh, it was always very special episodes or uh, the, the crisis of the week as we met a gay. Uh, and here we have Fran Drescher, really Fran Fine, who's like, oh, gay people exist and it's no big deal. Um, so I did a lot of research into like what was going on with the show and the making of it. Um, and one of the things that, um, I didn't have a chance to put in the video, uh, well, actually a couple of things. One is just the very sweet story about how the, the nanny wind up, wound up existing, which is that Fran was in a, um, uh, we mentioned this earlier, a, a show called princesses that wasn't great. It was her <laughs> and Julie Haggerty from airplane and Twiggy, the model, um, and it's just, it's okay, but it only lasted a couple episodes. And then there's this amazing story about Fran uh, was on an airplane to um, England to visit Twiggy, who she'd become close to in the making of this episode. And there just happened to be a CBS executive on the plane. Uh, and the way that Fran tells the story, she like saw that this guy was there. She was like, I'm never going to have an opportunity like this again. She goes to the bathroom, does her like makeup and makes herself like as presentable as she can for this man. And, um, basically corners him on the airplane and starts trying to pitch him on a show. And he's like, okay, okay. When we're all back in Los Angeles, come to my office, which was fortunate because she actually didn't have any ideas for shows. Um, so then she spent some time in England with Twiggy and with Twiggy's teenage daughter. And what Fran realized that she and the daughter had a great rapport where she was like giving her little hints about like, you know, not ways to be cheap, but like, um, you know, little lessons for life uh, that a extremely wealthy person just might not ever have had access to. And she realized that there was a great culture clash going on there and that she felt a little bit like Maria von Trapp, but uh, from the other <laughs> side of the tracks. And so yeah. she called up her husband and was like, all right, this is the show that we should do. It's um, it's the sound of music, except I'm from Queens. And that's that. And and. That's how she became the nanny, basically. Uh, so that's yeah. one of the very fun stories that I, you know. So, so, 
just to uh, underscore another very important point of mine, um, take that, people who think she ripped off uh, Who's the Boss. She did not. Mm. It wasn't even in her original pitch. Uh, and that's ridiculous. Yeah, um, there's a, just a whole series. There's insane. like a strange genre in like the 80s into the early 90s um, that I call unlikely domestic help in sitcoms. Yes. And <laughs> it's, you know, Gimme a Break and Who's the Boss and Charles in yeah. Charge. And then you get into the stranger ones like um, uh, Small Wonder. Uh, where you just got these, like, for some reason, it was a thing in the 80s to have uh, shows about um, live-in live in servants, in just like middle-class Americans just have. Mr. Belvedere, for example. Where can where can people find your stuff? What are your, what are your, uh, what kind of plugs you want to get in? Yeah, so if you want to check out my video about the nanny or any of my other videos, I talk about pop culture and the intersection with uh, queer representation, like the gay episodes of sitcoms and stuff like that. Uh, check out my YouTube channel. It's at youtube.com slash Matt Baum. Uh, I just did a video about John Waters' films of the 1970s. I call them the Trinity of Trash and uh, how they had a, a, an, an unexpected impact on uh, pop culture from Disney movies to, um, gosh, to episodes of The Simpsons. Uh, I also have a podcast called The Sewers of Paris, where I talk to queer people about the entertainment that changed their lives. That's at the sewers of uh, at sewersofparis.com, sewersofparis.com. Uh, I just had uh, Justin Vivian Bond on, who else have I had on? Bruce Valanche, Dan Savage, uh, a ton of great cool. folks talking about the media that, that shaped them into the people they are today. Oh, that's awesome. I want to yeah. listen to that. And uh, I've got a Twitch channel over at twitch.tv slash mattbaum. Every Monday evening, I do some video games and uh, we just kind of hang out. Well, that's awesome. And also we will have, uh, if you're listening to this on a device that can also access the internet, which I assume you are, um, we'll have all of the links uh, to all the things that uh, Matt mentioned uh, down there in the description. Um, and then also you can find us now on social media officially at oh Mr. Chef Pod. that's with two Fs, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. And um, I think I made a TikTok too. Probably on TikTok too, but I, I have to double check that. What are um, what are we putting on TikTok? What? Just the same okay. shit we're putting on Instagram. I don't know. I like okay. just they're just just clips from the show. What do you mean? Okay, clips. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, are we dancing? I, what are we? Are we doing? We're not, we're too I old. Saw, for I saw another podcast putting up clips from their podcast, and I said, "Listen, stop that. It's great. Um, it's great. We're we're young. Look at me. I'm hip. Sheesh. All right." Um, <laughs> Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, if you want to find, uh, us, uh, personally, for some reason, uh, you can find me at Sean Wrights and Toria, where can people find you? Um, the best place is Instagram, Toria Sheffy, two F's and a Y. Yeah. Follow that. And also like subscribe and do all the things that you do to, uh, continue to get people to find this show. Cause a lot of people are finding this show and it is quite flattering that people are enjoying enjoying all of this and having a good time rewatching the nanny. There's going to be like a little bonus episode and then we'll dive into season two, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm very excited to get into the later seasons. Cause I, I, I do have vague memories of this show, like, you know, getting more budget and then doing like episodes outside of the house. I know they got, they go to an Island on one episode. I love when TV shows, uh, I love when sitcoms, uh, do like, uh, you know, um, on location episodes is like my favorite. So mm -hmm. can't wait. Um, and again, thank you so much, Matt. This was fantastic. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Cool. And uh, that's it. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you the next time. Uh, bye, Toria. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. I, uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs>